We've got some fresh new young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before. One, two, three, listen. You gotta have a like the why, and we know our why. So I think you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help, you can get a roadmap, you can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K&K. Hey everybody. Value Add with K&K, Crystal Kenny here. Just want to say thank you so much for the support, for listening, um, the comments, everything. Keep it up. We'll keep going as long as we can. And if you like what you're listening to, like what you're watching, uh, tell your friends about it, leave us a review, maybe even give us five stars. We love those. That's how we can grow and continue to bring you guys value and spread the word. Thanks, guys. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Value Add with KK. Today, we are talking about rent control. The state of California decided they want to have control over our rents because I don't know why. Because everybody's smarter than us, I guess. Because people are complaining that rents are going up too fast. Exactly. Those those horrible flippers that are nearly doubling rents. So today we decided we're going to talk about, you actually have been getting a lot of Crystal and I, but um, Crystal and I, we had so many guests on that we couldn't get any of our stuff in for a while we want to talk about. But we will be back to um, guests coming up. So stay tuned for that. Um, but everybody has been talking complaining, whining, crying about rent control. And today we are going to address, I don't know, some of the questions and concerns, and we're just going to basically go over them. Um, some of them we don't know because nobody knows how it's going to affect things because it just, I don't even know if it's even passed or signed by Mr. Gavin Newsom. And honestly, I think most investors really just want to know how everybody else is going to be handling it. So we've just been getting a lot of calls about like, what do you think about this? And how are you going to handle it? And are you going to slow down on buying because of this? Or are you going to stay in California? Are you going to go somewhere else? So um, we've been getting a lot of those questions. So we wanted to answer some of those today and also bring some clarity on what the law really means for us going forward. So Crystal and uh, one minute pitch if when somebody calls you and says, oh my gosh, Crystal, what do you think about rent control? Is everything going to hell in a handbasket? What do you say? Well, I've had that call a lot. So um, basically what I tell people is it's not going to change the way that we invest. We're still going to continue to invest in our own backyard. It's where I feel the most comfortable and it's where we have the most control. And I think um, for me, I, I don't know any other place like I know San Diego and we're in a a market where people can make good money and get good returns. So I have no intentions of investing out of um, California for that matter. Um, maybe we might invest in other places, but generally I like to be able to drive to my properties and that means San Diego. So um, my personal opinion is that I don't think that the new rent control law that went into place is really that bad. So um, I think that there's a lot of ways that we can maneuver around it. I don't think it's horrible. In fact, I think it was more written for apartment owners than it was for tenants. Um, so it's really not going to change much the way that I do things. Now, the other question that I've been getting, um, from people is that it's retroactive to March 15th. So maybe not everybody knows that. So, um, let's say that you bought a value add property and you significantly raised rents. We have a lot of people in that situation right now. Even the building that we recently bought, we did some rent increases that were slightly above, um, like the 7.6% or whatever it would have been uh, at the CPI plus um, 
inflation or 5% plus CPI. So anyways, um, I would do probably one of two things. I mean, one, you may have to just drop the rents back down. Or two, maybe you can kind of see if you can negotiate with your tenant to see if maybe they would accept some sort of an agreement between you guys that you would do a lesser um, rent increase for the next year or two, depending on how big the increase was in exchange for just keeping the rent at the same rate or close to the same rate. That's kind of the, the, the workaround that we thought of. Um, of course, this is so, so new that we don't know if there's any sort of loopholes. Like, for example, um, I know you and I were wanting to talk about doing an event on this, which we'll figure out and get done. But one of the questions that came up to me is that I have a client who purchased a building recently. And after he purchased the building, he signed new leases with everybody. So um, that's just the way that he did it. He did rent increases, but he got them on new leases. So does it count? I don't know because it's a new lease, but um, that's something that you could ask an attorney and something that we'll be having an attorney um, talk with us and you know our audience about as well so that you can kind of start figuring out what some of these loopholes may be if, they're, if they exist. Yeah, I mean, guys, there's a lot of what ifs. So um, people are calling me freaking out or what are we going to do? Um, guys, this is business. Rent control's been in San Francisco and LA and New York and other places for a very, very long time. If you go and buy apartment buildings in San Francisco, um, I don't think the things are very... LA, very, I very, mean, there's other places. It's that very expensive. Prices have gone up. Look, at the end of the day, if you're doing value add and you might have to pay people just like in San Francisco to get out of apartments. Right now, it could be cheaper and 10 years from now, it could be a lot more expensive. So the thing is, is... Um, it's so new. A lot of people are not even going to know what to do. A lot of people won't do anything. A lot of people that might own properties free and clear that are older might just not even care and just keep the rents the same. And they're like, I just collect my check and I don't want to deal with people moving out and all this stuff. But I can tell you, in my quick opinion, I agree with everything Crystal said, so I'm not going to regurgitate what she just said. But as far as this bill went through very fast... Um, which is surprising, but I don't think it's surprising because if you're an apartment owner and we have rent control, I don't think what currently is in place is terrible. It could have been a lot worse. You've got 5%, which is plus CPI, which is the consumer price index. has, And that has been historically um, averaged out at 2.6. So that puts us at a 7.6 increase year over year. For San Diego, I believe alone, the average rent has been 4.1% across all of the um, apartments currently. No, I'll tell you what it is. So it's been about 1% um, for Class A, which is probably not even going to count because those are probably the buildings that were built within the last 15 and there are years. A lot of vacancies there. For Class B, it's been about 5.5%. And for Class C, it's been 66 That's why I said average on all units, all properties is probably 4.1 when you average us. That's probably what it yeah, is. Yeah. So, guys, like basically, that, the, the class C isn't even reaching 7.6. So let me just tell you, if you're an apartment owner, if you're a renter, what you just did. This bill passed. So if you're a renter and you think you won, that's great. If you're an apartment owner and you think you lost, that's great. Let's just talk like reality here. If you own apartments and or a, or whatever you have, look, and there's laws we'll go into what you own or not own. Or I think we should just review what exactly. Yeah, basically my opinion is this, is people that didn't raise rents that would wait and do it and just work it out with tenants that are long-term and do it their way, which isn't bad. 
that can't they can't do that anymore. So what you did is you just woke up the beast. You woke up everybody. So now people that would want to work something out with you because they don't want to get behind because they just can't even rent toss it up $400 or $500 even if you have an agreement because they would lose in court if you guys had a uh, disagreement. They now have to increase their rent every single year so they don't fall behind. And that is the law. So you're not going to like it as a renter when you start getting rent increases. You're going to complain, but you're going to go, wait a minute, I'm just following the law that you wanted. So what happens is when one person does it, everybody's going to do it. The property manager companies, the the attorneys, everybody's going to tell you if you own buildings, just start increasing every year. If you're behind, you can't get behind. So you just woke up the beast. So basically, and quite frankly, I, I think. Expensive. I think that landlords should have done that to begin with. Yep. I mean, the the you know, you and I have been, you know, we've kind of flipped some apartment buildings where we have significantly increased rents. We've vacate we t- typically vacate the buildings. I don't usually keep the tenants in there, but when we've done that, um, tenants are, get so pissed off. Like they're so entitled because that previous owner let them stay there with rent and barely rent- raised them at all. If they even Some raise them 10 at all. 10 years, $50. And I get it. That's what you want to do. Yeah. But guys, if you owned a regular business, let's say you owned anything. In 10 years, you raised $50. You would, most people would be out of business because of right, inflation. Right, but my thing with that is that, you know, tenants never really like to hear this. But when we had the management company, you almost, in a nice way, want to say, hey, you, you've been really lucky. I mean, honestly, like, just be grateful for the fact that you had, you lived in a building where yep. an owner wasn't staying on top of the market yep. and didn't feel like they needed that yep. extra money and they didn't run their asset like a business, which is what it is. So those people felt entitled. Well, guess what? Hopefully, if you're smart, now your tenants aren't going to be entitled anymore because you're just going to give them those rent increases, which you should have given them anyways. So that is really – I mean, I don't think it's a big deal. I think at this point now we should probably just go through Let's just jump into a couple – let's jump into the stuff kind of what – the bill kind of covers and just some, you know, like the, I think there's eight or nine topics, whatever it is, and we'll just kind of read through and so jump into So the first, the first thing is the maximum rent increase. So it is like Kenny stated, it's 5% plus inflation. That's measured typically by CPI, um, something that you can look up online. It's averaged around 2.5 to 2.6 on an annual basis. So you're somewhere between like a 75 to 8% rent increase that you could do. Um, but the law, the way the law reads is that it's 5% plus inflation or 10%, which, whichever is lower. So the lower of. So if at any point inflation was super high, you, you could be capped at that 10%. Which is so crazy. Yeah. And the law does go into effect in of January 2020 until um, 2030, uh, but it is sort of retroactive to March 15th. So that does mean that anybody who raised rents from March 15th until January 2020 is still subject to the same rules about that 5% plus inflation rule. So um, I know some people have probably done some significant increases in between then. So that's something that you got to work out with your attorney. Um, again, we're here to give our opinion and what we know about the law, but we're certainly not legal advisors. So you should always contact your attorney um, and make sure that you understand fully what your options are and what the law is. So, And guys, look, you know, the question could be, are you going to raise 7.6% every year? The answer could be no. If you're already at market rents on your building and it can't handle it, we're not looking to have a vacant building where they go. So... Look, you might be tapped out, 
but eventually the market might catch up to you in two or three years, then you'll start raising. You have to look at your data, look at your market, look at your competition. But look, if you, you know, the competition is $2,000 and you're at $1,500, you're going to be raising. So that's the answer is, is just depends on quality you're building, where you're at, where your rents are at and what you've done. So that would be, you know, probably Crystal will probably agree. That's our answer on that one. Yeah. So what's the next topic? So, um, I guess the ne- the logical question would be when then can you raise rents to market value? And basically that's essentially when your tenant vacates. So whenever that person leaves and you go to re-rent the unit again, you can market it at whatever the market rent is that's at great. the time. They could have so. that, they could have put something else in the law that could have made it worse. So that was a good that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so this basically applies uh, to apartments that were built um, more than 15 years ago. So like any apartments built prior to 2005 uh, are subject to this law. So all of the new buildings, they really don't apply. Um, you Those are generally class A buildings anyway. So you saw that their year over year rent growth is an average of 1% um, anyways. So that, that, whether they were wrapped well, in or not, I don't even think well, it really luxury, matters. But. Luxury A is hurting. You know, they're, they're overbuilt and a lot of vacancies. That's why it's they have, they're not. They're well, they actually, don't even have that kind of rent growth yeah. is, is basically what his, historically yeah. we've seen. So um, now there are properties that are exempt. So that, again, includes buildings built uh, in the last 15 years. That includes single-family homes unless they are owned by corporations. So I'm sure those will be coming out of corporations. <laughs> yeah, that includes – so if you, for example, had a duplex but you lived in one of the units, that would not count. Or if you had your house and you had a granny flat and you lived in one of the units, that does not count. That's not bad. But um, it basically applies to two-plus units. So as long as you're not occupying one of them in the situation in the case that it's a duplex. Okay. Um, so, and then there's some cities that are outside of San Diego, of course. So I guess if you're in Berkeley or Irvine, um, it doesn't apply to you. Um, it's interesting. And another thing on the exemptions, if it's single family, it, that includes like condos and townhouses, of course. So if it's one single unit, whether it's a single family condo townhouse, um, that is exempt unless you, home, it is owned home, by, like yeah, that. unless it's owned by a corporation. So, um, and that is pretty much it. I think a uh, subsidized housing of any sort, like if it's like affordable it's housing, already got its, own rules it's already got its own yeah. rules and regulations. So it's not going to trump that. Um, so those are the properties that are exempt. Um, then, okay, if you need to evict a tenant, this how does is that the, work? I think this the eviction is the one where I think we're going to talk about it. But until somebody actually goes through a court case and how it, the judge looks at it, because remember, even if you follow it, you got to go. Like if somebody fights it, we won't know. But we're going to. Well, go and it. you That's know, the- I mean, as entrepreneurs and investors, we always want to. Th- see if there's a workaround, right? Like, especially for the people who just bought a building based on certain, you know, like this premise that they were going to be able to rehab the building and raise rents and do all that. Now they're kind of like facing this issue of potentially having to have this go retroactive. Um, You know, that affects your value. So I think, like I mentioned in that example of a client who signed new leases on a building he just bought, I mean, of course he's going to try to see if there's any sort of like workarounds there because he bought a building based on, you know, with a certain idea in his mind, a plan, and now it might kind of be 
different than what he thought. So well, it could take him instead of getting there right away, he might have to get there in two years. You know, so. right. But that being said, I think we're all looking for potential workarounds if we purchased a building that was under rented and we've significantly raised rents. And so, what can you do and how can it be handled? That's a question for your attorney. But these are just kind of the basic rules for if you need to evict a tenant. So obviously you can still evict a tenant for um, just cause, meaning like if they're a nuisance or they didn't pay rent or they they were in breach of their agreement, um, like they subletted illegally or like against your – like without your approval, those kinds of things can still be evicted um, for – in the case that, let's say you want to buy a building and rehab it, I mean, I had a call from a broker just the other day who wanted to show us a deal that was significantly under-rented, um, and he, he had kind of said, I don't know, you know, like other investors, some people are more conservative, some are more aggressive. What would you say? And I said, well, for me, I would still go forward with a um, rehab deal if it was a good deal. Like it just would make sense. If it makes sense, it makes sense. So basically the rule is is that – it's kind of interesting. I actually just recently learned this that basically you can only evict someone for just cause with a tenant who has lived there for at least 12 months, but if there are two tenants, it's 24 months. So Ooh, How about it's 3? Yeah, I don't know. Does that make it 36? 36 months. No. We got eight people. You guys are screwed forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not the case. Uh, from what I understand, it's just if it's two or more tenants, it goes to 24 months, which is nice. It gives you some leeway. Now, if not, if you're basically going to be that landlord like we might do and say, hey, we need you to leave because we're going to be renovating the unit, you have to pay them one month rent as a relocation fee. That's not bad. In places like San Francisco – like you're talking about, people are paying 20, 30, 50 grand to get tenants out of units. Each unit. People in LA are doing the same thing. They're paying people 10, 15, 20 grand to get out of a unit. So to pay them one month rent as a relocation fee, and that's the law, okay, fine. Yeah. Again, those people are probably paying jack nothing for rent. Like I had this deal come to me the other day, and it was like, you know, the tenants were paying on average of $1,000 for a one-bedroom apartment in North Park. It's like, okay, I'll give you 1000 bucks to move. Like, okay. It's not, so it's, not, yeah, it's think, really yeah. not a big deal. I want to I jump in. Um, the one thing that you're probably want to going to do is if you have a really crappy lease and it doesn't outline these are the rules and like, you know, you really people, what I think people are going to end up doing is they're going to have really tight leases that really outline these are the rules that could get you evicted. Like being a nuisance, like you just read because people are going to be way more, we're way more lenient now because God, yeah, whatever. But now because of this stuff, I can tell you right now there, if you really hold people to the fire, um, a lot of people bring people in and don't tell you that they brought somebody in. A lot of people don't follow the rule. They just don't. And nobody really holds them accountable because they don't want to deal with it. But I can tell you right now, if you buy a building and you've got a bunch of tenants not following the rules and, you know, of the lease, I don't think it's going to be hard to get them out because, you know, think about it. There is. So those are things. But your lease has to be tight. You can't have some two-page crappy lease. Like, we have really good leases. I think that's going to be important, too, like moving forward, making sure you have really, really tight And that's leases. a good point because we do have a lot of more mom-pop owners that we know, we work with, that listen here. It's, you know, a lot of times when I talk to somebody, they're like, oh, I, I use the lease from the Apartment Owners Association or I use some sort of, like, 
No, 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 no. You should have an attorney pay one pay time to draft your lease. I'm not saying anything about those different associations, but what I will say is they generally give you the bare bones um, and they don't give you all the proper um, addendums and things that you need. And there might be some specific verbiage that you want in there. I mean, especially now with rent control going into effect, there's probably going to be another addendum about, you know, what legally the landlord's going to be doing to raise your rent on an annual basis. Or so the lease is probably going to change if they don't just do its own separate addendum. So that's something that you should be checking with your attorney about. Um, I know that we had an attorney draft our lease and every year you pay after that a small fee for them to update it and make sure that you're up to date with the laws every year. Um, it's just the smart thing to do. Again, this is a business. You want to run it like a business. And especially now that we have more rules and laws that govern how we run our business, you need to make sure that you're doing everything to protect yourself. Okay. So what do we, what, so after what's the next? Well, that's, uh, that's really it as far as all of the rules. Um, but of course all of the questions come into play, like how's this going to affect property values and, you know, how does it impact you if you're an owner or, you know, like how's it going to impact future values? How are things, how is it going to change things? So, and that's more speculative at this point. Like we can totally go into what we think, but nobody really knows. I mean, I've talked to a handful of appraisers just for deals that we're doing right now. And they are sort of like, we don't know what we're like going to do yet. I mean, we don't quite know on a building. I mean, now they're going to be capped. So where you would have purchased a building and seen what market rents are, that's going to affect their appraisals now because you have your as-is rents and then you have what the market would bear, but now you have this rent control thing. So you can't just jump your rents up to market. Um, so there is going to be some some changes to appraisals. I don't know exactly how that's going to affect value. In my opinion, I don't think it's going to be very much. I really don't think it's going to affect values that much um, because like we've talked about, this is really only going to push vacancy down further. Um, no, I think people also, they're getting, like I said, guys, you woken the beast up. Nobody understands. But in two years from now, people are going to be raising the rents across the board and every people that are sitting in a unit now, if their landlord has, they're going to start raising because they don't want to fall behind. You're going to be like, I thought this is a good thing. You're going to realize, wait a minute, I'm paying thousand bucks every year. It's going up, uh, you know, whatever, $76. In five, you know, it's just going to happen. So at the end of the day, like with values and stuff, like, look, if you're a value add and you're willing to go in and buy the building and take the proper steps to get everybody out and spend the money and turn the year down and get it up to market rent and rehab the building. I mean, that building right now is valuable today. It's going to be valuable tomorrow. Will be valuable more or less? Who knows? We don't know because we're not there. San Francisco, LA and things like that. Those property values have been going up. They're expensive. I know people don't like rent control because they don't have control of the rent. But now we're, you know, we're in a level playing field and going out of state and things like that. Sure. People can go out of state. Oregon just passed it. Um, Remember, California is a state where things tend to happen here and it seems to start flowing through the rest of the country. So if you think that California is the only state that is actually talking about this, you're probably wrong because I guarantee you there's Texas, there's Arizona, all these other states where a lot of things are happening, a lot of jobs are coming in. I'm telling you right now, 
they want this statewide everywhere because it's just easier to manage. Any and place run. where you have major so cities, exactly. it's like it's going to be an issue because when the economy booms, prices go up. That's just the nature of like a cycle. I mean, that's a part of a cycle that happens. So prices go up on everything, whether it's your groceries or it's your water bill, I mean, or it's your rent. I mean, this is this is just kind of where it is. And it's going to become more of a conversation in a lot of big cities that are having a tremendous amount of growth. And California happens to have a lot of cities that are big, bustling, growing, healthy economies, and they're expensive places to live. So we've been we kind of tend to be a trendsetter for a lot of these things that happen. So, I mean, I'm not – it's it's going to happen in other places. Um, the thing that I think is the people who are getting the most hurt by this are the tenants, obviously, because the other thing is is your landlord that never raised your rent, if you're one of those tenants, now is only going to be capped at, you know, a 75 or 8% rent increase. So if you have a problem in your unit – they're only going to have so much money to fix it. And if you're that tenant, you've probably kept your mouth shut for all these years just because you've tried to fly under the radar and not get a rent increase. So now you're going to get that rent increase. And then you're probably going to start thinking, well, I should get a couple things fixed. And you're going to go ask your landlord to do that. And your landlord is going to have to look at their cash flow and see how much they have available to spend on their building. And because they're capped, they're going to be limited. So now it's it's basically a lose-lose. You just guaranteed yourself a 75 or 8% rent increase every year when maybe you weren't getting them before and now you've got a landlord who's capped on what he can do on his building because his hands are now tied like basically he's got to abide by these laws and he only has so much extra cash flow to use towards repairing the building yeah so how does this impact an investor i mean like i said is nobody really knows yet but you can go into their cities and stuff like this like, look, guys, things have, things are changing, and you have to just change with it. So what do you do right now? We sit back. We can read the law on this. And once it goes in place, um, if you buy a building, you figure out what the strategy and the plan is or what do you have to do if you're a value-add person or how do you raise your rents, whatever it is, you just figure out what the laws are. You follow the laws. Some people are going to be like, I don't want to buy here anymore. It's too much work. Then don't buy here. Go somewhere else. Some people are going to be like, I'm only going to buy properties that are 15 years and less. Great. Some people are going to be not scared like us and go buy value add and, and deal with the tenants and do what we got to do and you put in the adapt, work. Basically. Adapt and put in the work and do it. Because why? Because that's just life. So bitching about it, complaining about it, stressing about it isn't going to do anything. We're going to find a strategy and adapt, and we're just going to move forward from there. Personally, I feel like it's going to present more opportunities for people like us because there are going to be those people who are scared away by all of this, and it gives us more opportunities to buy properties, and it kind of takes some people off the playing field. Um, so I consider it an opportunity for us, who or the people who aren't scared, of the law and the people who are kind of willing to adapt and do the work to make sure that we're doing everything above board and by the law and everything within our legal limits. So, I mean, for me, um, I think that it will be a positive thing for us because that's what you do when things change. You've got to shift with it. So there's a lot of people um, that have been owning apartments in San Francisco for a long time and they deal with rent control and they do just fine. And there's people in L.A. and there's people in New York. There's people that bought in Oregon. There's people that went right up there, moved their money from California to Oregon, and boom, rent control hit. And I forgot somebody I was talking to, their client just sold a bunch of stuff, went up there, got hit with rent control. 
and they're dealing with it. So we're not we're not looking to move out of San Diego. This is where we are. We know a lot of people here that have been successful in you know doing real estate investments, whether it's apartments or homes or commercial. And we're going to continue to focus on this market. It's our backyard. We know it. And that's what we're going to do. So I think to in closing, to wrap up for me, um, rent control, it is what it is. Um, I think as we go further down the road here, we're going to learn more about it. I think once the bill's passed um, officially and some things happen and we're going to know how the, re- you know how the retroactive works and everything else. And once we hear about some cases in court from our attorney, you know, the sooner this passes, the better it is because we can start getting on top of stuff and then we can move forward. But, you know, hopefully four to six months from now, we'll have a lot more information, a lot more answers, and we can make more intelligent, you know, decisions and have more intelligent conversations about this. But at, at this point, um, like I said, you adapt and move forward. Crystal, in closing. Yeah, I mean, basically, I think you just, uh, like you said, adapt and move forward. I mean, it's basically going, I mean, this is what it is. Uh, You and I had been talking about it for a little while when people were asking about rent control, especially when the whole thing with National City was getting really close to passing, um, which it didn't. Um, We kept saying, you know, something's going to have to go in place to get people to be quiet about rent rent control. They just were not going to let it go. So something had to happen. And I think this was honestly kind of more of a best case scenario of what rent control is going to look like for us for the next decade. Um, so I think honestly, it, this is about as lenient as you could get um, for landlords on the law. I don't think it's really too restrictive and it wouldn't stop me from investing in San Diego. It wouldn't stop us from buying a, you know, value add deal. I'm not nervous about that. I think one month's rent for relocation fee is very generous on the landlord's part, um, on the part of the landlord. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not really going to change the way we do business, but you have to do what's right for you. If you don't feel like comfortable, you know, doing things with these laws, if you feel like it's going to bring more potential litigation to you or lawsuits or however you feel about this, if it's going to scare you away, it's fine. It leaves more for us, those of us who are here and ready to adapt to the changes and who are still hungry to do well, grow our portfolios and make money. Yep. Um, guys, thanks for watching and listening. If you have questions, comments, DM us, text us, email us. Um, we're hoping... Um, meeting with some people. I do want to throw a great event about this and bring, you know, principals and brokers and attorneys and maybe a couple other guests on to talk about this. Um, so I'm working on that because I think bringing people together and getting some questions and some conversations going will be really helpful. But yeah, um, reach out to us if we can help. But otherwise, um, yeah, we're going to keep learning about this. And like I said, we're just going to adapt. Yeah. So I think in the coming weeks, you'll probably get more details on an event that we will be putting together um, on rent control where we can get some people that can come and speak, uh, like attorneys, for example, um, on the new laws. So we can all kind of get on the same page, do a little bit of networking, um, talk amongst each other as investors yeah exactly everybody yep so that we can all kind of talk and put our heads together and work as a team to kind of figure out strategies and how best to move forward um so we'll 
keep you up to date on those details. And again, if you guys have any questions about our thoughts on rent control, if there's something that we didn't cover today or something that you want to go into more, if you have a specific scenario, again, we're not attorneys, um, but we're more than happy to talk to people. We do this all the time and we love to talk to other people who are investing as well. I think we can always learn a lot from each other. And uh, Kenny and I are open books, so you pretty much know how to reach us. Um, If not, check the show notes and all the info will be there. Thanks, guys. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.